Hope you missed us. We're back. <laughs> hey, round five. Right, five. That's what we're on. Yeah, five. Yeah, I'm Lee from Busted Knuckle Woodworks. That's Jared. Which side are you on? I don't know. That side, I guess. Right? I can't remember. Okay. <laughs> right. From Inland Wood and Resin. And this is episode five of the new Cranky Workshop. So I'm going to say, if you hate podcasts, where the hosts just agree on everything all the time, you may want to stay tuned into this episode because I have a feeling, I don't know, I have a feeling <laughs> we're going to talk about some things that we may have some differing opinions on. We're going to try so, and keep it clean. We're going to keep it fair. No no low blows, no rabbit punches, nothing like that. No kidney shots. But uh, yeah, we're we're going to disagree on some stuff this time around. No rabbit punches, but there may be dado punches. I'm not making any promises. <laughs> but first, just to, some show business. Uh, I do want to mention we got some really great participation on our small channels challenge, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, right? Yeah. We, we got, uh, let's see, Worst David from Worst Workshop uh, made a short. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joseph from Five Duck Studio uh, did a did a video, and I know that there are others that are planning the same that have reached out. So that is fantastic, you guys. You guys get it. Keep and it going. Appreci- yeah, <laughs> keep it going. We appreciate it. Uh, of course, I'm from Texas. David is from Texas. Joseph is from Texas. The Texas I, is I represented. Am not from Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Texas is representing in this thing. So yeah, you guys are uh, flying the banner, carrying the mantle very, very well. I don't know. Yeah. Hey, wherever it comes from, it doesn't matter as long as it is spoken truth, and we 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 get it out there for everybody to hear. You got it, brother. And if if anybody else is planning to do the same, do us a favor. Tag my channel on the it's right underneath me and Jared's channel. It's right underneath him. So that we know mm-hmm. so that uh we can promote it. Because we're we're promoting these other videos that are uh you know in turn promoting these smaller woodworking channels. So let us know. Yeah. And we would certainly appreciate that. So yeah. uh viewer comments mm. what do you think <laughs> what, what, what did we get <laughs> <laughs> okay so speaking of joseph joseph from five duck studio here was his comment lee is full of insight oh so close oh. joseph <laughs> so close <laughs> you almost had it uh, great podcast. I don't care what you say. I'm still putting office clips in every one of my videos. Okay. Can we just clear the air on this shit? I don't get it. <laughs> is this like Gen X's like Seinfeld? Is that what it is? <laughs> I'm, I, I guess technically I'm a millennial, like fuck that term, but I don't get it. What, why can't Parks and Rec get some love? Okay. Screw both of those shows. <laughs> just don't get it. Yeah. The Mer- American office sucks. Okay. I'm saying it. it, it British does. office. British office is the most, one of the most brilliant shows ever. It conceived. is hilarious. It's so much yeah. better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. John from Lincoln street woodworks. Now he actually 
If you want to do yourself a favor, go back to the last episode, episode four, look through the comments, look for John's comment, because it really was very, very insightful, so to speak. So, mm-hmm. and I won't read the whole thing. It was somewhat lengthy, but in part, the purpose of this comment isn't to call anyone out. It's to remind viewers that YouTube isn't some horrible machine that suppresses creators. And that's a great point, right? So we spent a lot of time um, kind of harping on the algorithm. YouTube doesn't go out of its way to make it so that small channels don't succeed. I mean, the more channels that succeed, the better it is for them. Sure. I think it's an easy um, an easy out for smaller channels like ourselves to just wham, 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 complain about it and say, you know, the algorithm doesn't work in our favor. Um, I, I think that's an easy out, but I think it's also a serious point of discussion because it is so easy for people like myself to look at numbers and get discouraged rather than come to a realization, which I, I'm going to say we're, we're going to talk about a little bit later. Right. <clears throat> it's important to remember that we make videos for the audience not for the algorithm and that's what we're going to talk about today is how we make videos for our audience okay so that'll be a good segue into the topic of today's episode how we make videos so when jared originally proposed this topic i was a little skeptical because i was like i don't know if it's of interest to non-creators how people make videos on YouTube. And then I, as I thought about it some more, I think it's actually of more interest to non-creators. Yeah, I think it, it gives a little insight into our thought process. Yeah, I think <clears throat> a lot of people are interested in learning how does this all come together, what happens behind the scenes, and you're curious about what goes into creating a YouTube channel, especially in the woodworking space. This will be of great interest to you because there's a lot of stuff. There's a thousand things that once the video is on YouTube, nobody sees and nobody appreciates. This is the thing. If you're a woodworker and you decide to start a YouTube channel, now you're not just a woodworker. So you're a script writer. You're a cinematographer. You're a graphic designer. You're a choreographer in some cases. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You're an actor, you're a social media consultant, you're a voiceover artist, you're all Mm -hmm. of these things. And likely, if you're anything like me, you did not know jack shit about any of that. I still don't know jack shit about it. (laughs) And that leads me kind of to one other thing. This is not going to be a tutorial. This is how we make videos, not how to make videos, right? We're not. Yeah, no, nobody should take my advice on how to make videos. <laughs> right. Nobody we're, should. <laughs> we're not, we're, yeah, we're not putting ourselves out there as experts. We're just two guys that have made a shit ton of mistakes and mm-hmm. learned a f- couple of things over the course Even of time. Even our successes are, are mistakes. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, uh, first thing I, we want to talk about, and this is probably the beginning of, of it all, is ideas. How do we come up with ideas? You want me to start? Because <laughs> mine's pretty basic. 
Uh, I prescribe to the throw spaghetti against a wall and see what six <laughs> mentality. That is my thought process. I've got uh, I've got three of these comp books. And anytime anything pops into my head that I think might be interesting, I just write it down. And from there, like if I keep can coming back to that idea or that topic, then it will get expanded on. So, you know, I think I've got 60, 61 videos <clears throat> that have been released. I've probably recorded another 30 or 40 that will never see the light of day. Sure. Sometimes in order to de determine if it's a good idea or a bad idea, you have to start shooting it and you mm -hmm. have to start putting it together. And then I've done that before. And, and I'm really kind of obsessed with always thinking not only when generating ideas, but when editing, when shooting, what does my audience want to watch? It's really important to remember, and I ever, I've already said this, you want to make views for your audience, mm -hmm. not, not for the algorithm. I'm, I'm chasing viewers, not views. Mm -hmm. So once you come up with the idea, then thumbnails and titles. Yeah, I used to not do that first. I will, I'll freely admit that. I used to not think about the thumbnail until after the video was done. And mm -hmm. that is a, um, a, a few people have turned me on to the idea of doing the thumbnail first and trying to generate a title first, because then that sets the precedent for what it is that you're going to record. And that was a total mind shift. And it has made a world of difference for me. I usually have at least three, four, five yeah. in the can, so to speak, when I upload. I'll go with my A thumbnail, and I'll, that's the one I'll put up. But I at least have a concept, right, of what I mm -hmm. want it to be, and I'll kind of rough it out a little bit. I think there's, when it comes to thumbnails and titles, there's a lot of confusion and misunderstanding around the concept of clickbait. I'm in a few different YouTube creator focus groups, you know, and, and some of them really kind of obsess over, well, I don't want to be clickbaity and I don't want to look like I'm clickbaiting. And I, and they really, really play down their thumbnails to make them look like the farthest possible thing away from clickbait. I'm going to tell you something. Don't hate the player. <laughs> hate the game. Yeah. That is part of the YouTube game. And if you're not if you're not playing, then you're not trying. Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe that the thumbnail matters. It is still the very, very first thing that anybody sees before autoplay kicks in. And I will just say it, the more clickbaity it is, the better it is for small content, uh, small channels. Right. It's gotta be big. It's gotta be bold because but I'm not going to talk about views or, or any of the other metrics. We'll save that for later, but it works. Right. People see it. Yeah. A, a, an attractive thumbnail, even if it's a little over the top, a enticing curiosity inducing title is not clickbait. If you deliver. Yes. To, to whatever degree, as long as you deliver. Right. But we can all cite examples. I won't. I, I did see one this past week that I thought was particularly egregious, a clickbait title that the video did not deliver at all. And I just felt 
I felt cheated. I felt I felt I wanted to take my view back. <laughs> right. <laughs> and unfortunately, you I've, can't do I've that. dedicated five, 10, 15 minutes of my life to this and I want it back. Yeah. I immediately unsubscribed from that channel. And when people feel cheated like that, they will not come back. No. <clears throat> so the next thing, of course, is now planning, scripting. I think there were two maybe three videos where I actually wrote out like word for word scripting. And those videos are apparently obvious, like which ones of those videos I did that. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't like it. I did. I just never liked the whole idea of writing word for word down and then trying to reenact or disseminate whatever information it was boring. It, it felt it, it was harder for me to do that. But I have now compiled um, <clears throat> a document that I am using currently that I'm using going into year two that chunks out a video step by step by step so that I am on track. And I, I just finished it. There's a project sitting right over here. I just finished a build, a real simple one day build using this form to guide me through it and it went so much better right and in the past that was not the case it was run and gun it was turn the thing on and just spew some shit out of my mouth about whatever the topic was and we'll see what the reaction was it, it, it probably the worst way to go about doing <laughs> yeah. it yeah that's, it that's it's, how it, it's tough i've established a kind of a standard workflow that i constantly refine all the way from the idea to the title and thumbnail all the way to like what i do on upload day what i do the day after what i do the week after all of it yeah i don't um, i don't go that far but that is that is good practice i right. think to, to add into your um your routine right and as far as scripting i do script um, although I rehearse it enough so that I almost memorize it. And then when I say it on camera, I'll kind of just use the script as a, as notes and I'll mm -hmm. frequently go off script and there's nothing worse. And then this has happened to me. You, you get into editing and you go, Oh, I meant to say this. And you just forgot, right? Cause you were winging it, winging yeah. it, winging it doesn't really work for almost anyone. If you're watching a video, and even if it looks like they're winging it, it's very unlikely that they are. I think most people have at least bullet points, if not very detailed notes. And a lot of people, there are very big channels that use a tele, an actual teleprompter. A like teleprompter, see, yeah. Yeah, like you would see in a news studio. So their exact script is scrolling across the lens, and they're mm -hmm. reading it word for word. And of course it takes a lot of practice to be natural and not look like you're doing this, you know? <laughs> yeah. I right. mean, that's why they're so far away from the camera. That's why they've got wireless microphones. All sure. that kind of, that's why, because right. for the most part, if it is, you know, a seamless conversation, that's because you're reading off of a teleprompter of some sort. And I think you touched upon this, the concept of a shot list. I am, I am really obsessive about that. The way that I do this, I have it the completed thing in my head to the point where I can sit there and watch the whole video 
with my eyes closed in my mind, the mm-hmm. video that I want to make. And so once I've done that, I create a shot list, every angle, every edit, every cut, every B-roll, everything. I'll just kind of run down the list, this angle, move everything, this angle, move everything, this angle, go back through this B-roll, get that B-roll. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. your, your shot list is far more detailed than mine. You know, it, when you have that list and you think about point A, point B, point B or C, so on and so forth, it makes the video uh, production process a whole lot smoother. All right. So you briefly mentioned that your background is as a teacher. Mm-hmm. And I we've talked about this before. I think that background really shows up in your presentation style. So let's talk about presentation styles because yours tends to be, I mean, would you agree? It tends to be somewhat, I don't know. Lecturous. Not lecturous, (laughs) but lecturous, right? Like, 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 kind of like luxury. Yeah. Yeah. And for better or for worse. Yeah. And for mainly for worse. Um, But I mean, a lot of the topics that I've come up with, I realized when I came up with them that they were not going to be, you know, mind blowing or overly uh, susceptible to high view counts. Like I, I got that. I realized that. And my presentation sucked. <laughs> There's no other way to describe it. It fucking sucked. Um, I, don't, been, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it sucked, but I don't. I, I just question it how could on how, have been jazzed up. I guess I, right. I just question how well that style works for show well, business, so to speak, because yeah. it is. This is showbiz, right? It, well, and it, like we've talked about, it depends upon who your audience is. So, sure, the topics I I, I, I realized I was speaking only to the woodworking community. I wasn't trying to branch out. I wasn't trying to cross over and talk to other types of people. Um, that's going to inf- affect how well a v- video is received. Um, I, I didn't do a lot of stuff in editing in order to jazz it up. I mean, I have incrementally done that over this past summer, and there are still going to be a handful of those talky head type things, but there will be some visuals in there for your viewing pleasure. Um, but yeah, early on, I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't, I didn't do the research on how to build a video. I just went and made a video. Incremental improvement is something that I'm going to, talk about a little later but that's really important right in order to be good at anything you have to be pretty bad at it for a while Mm -hmm. (laughs) and if you go back to my earlier videos you'll see that that is definitely the case the important thing is i think is to remember who you're making videos for what feels natural and right to you and what the topic is. I see a lot of YouTubers try to emulate what's worked for other people, not necessarily what would work for them. Mm-hmm. Now, the way that you do it, I don't think would work for me. You're a natural, and, right, and vice versa. And vice versa. Mm-hmm. You're a natural teacher. I'm just a fucking clown. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What the cringiest thing that you can do 
don't try to be funny if you're not a funny person. <laughs> there, there's nothing worse. If you if you don't have a good sense of comedic timing, and a lot of that is in the edit too, if you don't have a good sense of how to write something that's funny, then seeing other people do it on YouTube and think, well, I can do that, that just oh. never will never work. Especially yeah. if you're if you're a more serious person, embrace that, work with it, do what you need to do. But yeah, I think I've I've kind of fallen into a style that I think works for me. So let's talk a little bit now about nuts and bolts. So shooting video, because I know that your your process is far far different than my process. Oh yeah. Yeah. So what do you do? What do you use to shoot video? Don't you just shoot on a phone? I do. So when I first started, I had an old, older, I think it was a Galaxy S20. I'm not an Apple guy. I don't like freaking apples. <laughs> Get a damn home button. Um, <laughs> but I was Look, shooting on my, uh, this, is my, on my th this is my home button right here, homie. <laughs> yeah, I was just shooting on my phone and I still shoot on my phone. Um, I've I've now there are gotten, a lot of there are a lot of really popular channels that still shoot on their phone. Bourbon so Moth shoots on a phone. I set you know to the pro settings, which gives me a little more control. I don't use any third party apps or anything like that. That it, I've never shot on my phone. I would never shoot on a phone. I know, like I say, a lot of successful YouTubers have shot on phones and still do. I think the phone the problem with the phone is that. First of all, far too many people rely on the audio from the phone. Yes. That is a humongous fucking mistake. Mm -hmm. There's another thing that I had to learn the hard way because right. Right. now I've got these and they, they help a little bit. They're not right. great, but they help a little bit. Never rely. I don't care what kind of a camera you have. Never rely on the microphone and the camera. Don't do that. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is the phones process the video so heavily if i want a blurry background i have two options i can use the phone and use the cinema settings mm -hmm. and get a fake bokeh or i can use a proper camera and a proper lens with a fast aperture and step it down and get real optical bokeh to me that's much more satisfying and see, that's a, that is a, a knowledge base that I think a lot of people, myself included, do not know about, do not know how to go about finding that information. Right. And it makes, it can make a huge difference in the cinematic quality of your video. Yeah. Um, and this leads into another point. I see so many people doing this. I was shooting video on my phone. I went out and bought a three thousand dollar camera um the video looks way worse and guess what if you buy a three thousand dollar camera take it out of the box stick it on a tripod and press record and then put that footage on your computer it's gonna look like shit it's, it's gonna, gonna look bad. it's gonna look worse than your phone if you are not willing to invest the time and effort into learning how to your camera works into learning how lenses work into learning a little bit about cinematography, then don't bother. Just use yeah. your phone. Now, what do you, what do you do for audio? 
Originally, I was using the microphone and the phone. Fucking right. stupid. Um, I now use the AirPods. So I've mentioned a few times on this channel, I have a background in audio engineering. I'm kind of obsessive about audio. You know that on this podcast, when your audio has not been the greatest, I've called you and said, the fuck, mm -hmm. Jared? <laughs> <laughs> Figure it out, dude. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, you can see I'm using a $400 microphone here, right? So um, I either use an overhead boom. I'll do a scratch track on my camera, which is right over there. Uh, with a shotgun mic on the camera, but I don't use the internal camera. I'm using a shotgun mic on the camera. Or my favorite way to go is I use a lav mic, but I have an external recorder that's time code jammed to the camera so I can sync it later. So I'm recording the audio separately and it's a 32-bit float recorder. So if you're not familiar with what that is, right over <laughs> my head. No fucking clue what you're talking about. <laughs> right. If you've ever had trouble with an audio track clipping or not being loud enough or being too loud, where you get um, what they call DBFS uh, distortion decibels full scale, get look into 32-bit float. You'll never have to worry about it again. In fact, on a 32-bit float recorder you cannot even set the game levels you just turn it on you talk into it boom nothing could be easier so yeah. people will forgive a, a picture that's underlit that's overexposed that's too far back or the person's too close <laughs> to the camera but nobody is going to forgive yeah it's a lot easier to fix bad picture than it is to clean up bad audio, as right. you are well aware because of my issues. But yeah, it's it a is. lot easier. And people are, like I said, are more forgiving of uh, bad video than they are of bad audio. Mm -hmm. This is a good time to talk about editing. The so-called big three, which are Final Cut Pro, Adobe Premiere, and DaVinci Resolve. I think the market share is probably a third, a third, and a third. Uh, no, I'll say a quarter, a quarter, a quarter, and then the other quarter is everybody else, right? So, yeah, like, everybody like else, video right? proc, yeah. like um, iMovie, like uh, Filmora, mm -hmm. like CapCut. Uh, LumaFusion is re a really popular one that runs on iPad. DaVinci Resolve, I think, is a great choice. That's what I use. People say, well, the learning curve on DaVinci Resolve is really steep. It's not. It's very shallow but extremely long that's the problem right right that's the problem right for me that was the problem they have what they call a cut page which is really super simple you can learn the cut page in a three or four hours and you can make a great video on davinci resolve just using the very basic concepts now you have s six more pages right <laughs> that you will not even be scratching the surface of yet and those are those are all those tools that that allow you to level up the Correct, cinematic right. quality. Whereas video proc vlogger, it's all on one page. Here's your timeline, and then you just start adding your audio tracks and your cut, you know, your overlay tracks sure. and things like that. And it, it it 
if you're doing it on a very small screen, like my laptop, a, a 13 inch screen, there's a lot of crap in there that takes up some space that you have to start navigating through. And yeah, it can be, it can be a little more challenging, but like everything, there's a right. learning curve. Yeah, there is. So how obsessive do you get about editing? Originally, I, I was not obsessive. I just wanted to make sure that each clip lined up and then boom, I was done. Um, now I, I take greater care. Um, you know, if I, if I go, um, I, I'll edit that shit out. Um, I, I, you know, I can, I'm sure you can do this on DaVinci Resolve as well. I can blow up my timeline to, you know, a thousand or 1500% and I can see every little audio piece and I can meticulously edit. Um, there have been a handful of videos that I've done that, um, <clears throat> especially like lining things up, making sure that they sync. Whereas before it was just like, okay, I'm done with that clip and next clip, you know, just smash them all together and then throw them out there. But I've just tried to be a little more meticulous about cutting out all the non-essential stuff. That's about the extent of my editing. Gotcha. Yeah. I think I, I mentioned before that I can watch the whole video in my head before I start it. Mm -hmm. What happens a lot is that there'll be an edit in there or transition or some kind of motion graphics or some kind of a, maybe like a zoom or a, a, a pan that I don't know how to do. So mm -hmm. that's when I stop and then I figure it out. And some of those some of those camera shots are really really difficult to do when you're a one person operation. Like, yeah, it's pretty. It can be pretty tricky when you've got those kind of shot lists in your head and you're only one person. Right, or you've got a particular type of an edit, or you've got a particular type of a yeah. Yeah, it, it can be it can be tricky. And what you mentioned too, right? If you're alone, and especially in a small shop in a garage based shop, because likely you won't have a lot of room. You're not going to have a lot of a big open area. And here I'm setting up, you know, I use multiple lights and you know, if I've got four spots going, um, no, you can't, you can't walk right? around. I mean, the thing is, if you just need to move to the other side of the workbench, you're. Yeah. I've done that a handful of times. I've noticed that I've got a soft box sitting over there. Cause I was taking photos the other day. Um, I've got two or three, tripods, a couple of different other apparatus to, to be able to mount cameras and stuff. It's like, yeah, I can't work. No. <laughs> like, I, I, you know, it'll take me 15 minutes to set up a shot for a process. that's going to take sure, five seconds. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, like, it's how many, how many people have done that? Right. On my miter saw video, there's a five second shot of me doing an homage to young Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. That shot took three hours to set up and cost me 50 bucks because I had to buy a stethoscope. Yeah. I had to buy the goggles. <laughs> I had to buy a lab coat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not like we just have that shit right, lying exactly. around. Exactly. Yeah. I purchased props before to get a certain shot or set up a camera from the ceiling, which is what I had to do on that one. So. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. People don't realize sometimes. Yeah, it, it's a lot more. It can be. 
a lot more complicated than just run and gun shoot if you plan stuff out and it can can get get expensive expensive and time consuming right i mean but that's Mm -hmm. common at least for me to spend an hour two hours sometimes longer to get five seconds 10 seconds of b-roll and imagine what that does to the build process you know what i mean what a a build that should take an afternoon could take a week and that's that's common so it's a whole nother mindset if you're going to go the route i think that lee you know with the entertainment based mentality that is that is just a completely different mindset as far as timing pacing strategy as opposed to you know my ass getting up on a lectern (laughs) and just you know talking to you so that that's a lot to consider you know if you want to incorporate those elements into a video what do you do now i think some people especially non-creators don't realize that once you hit upload and your video goes public you're very limited as to what you can do right you can't change the video yeah you can't go back and tweak it and no, then re-upload can't. it once you it's up it, the only thing you can do is delete right. it uh so what do you do after the upload? Usually what I've, I don't have like a, a routine set time that I upload. A lot of times it is just, I don't know, I got a video sitting around and I'm going to give it a day or so. And then it I'll doesn't upload matter. It, it doesn't matter. Whenever. The, the, the best, the best advice is don't upload it the minute you get it finished. Because what will happen is. No. Well, I upload it and then I mark it private and then I'll watch it a couple of times on my phone and I'll go like, ah, dang, I missed something. I yep. I framed this wrong yeah. or I, yeah. And then you have, and then you, you realize there's nothing worse than realizing that after the video goes public. That's a strategy that I've employed as well, where I will just, I won't even, I'll write the title and I'll put like one letter in the description because it won't let me post unless I do that. <clears throat> and then, like you said, I'll, I'll put it on private. I may share it with a, with a handful of people like, Hey, give me some meaningful mm-hmm. feedback. I don't do it every single time, but I'll share it with a handful of people. And I'll just say, what do you think? Is it good enough? You know, can I roll with this or where are some of the weaker spots or whatever? Yeah. Once the video is up, if it's one that I am truly, truly, truly invested in, I'm going to watch it intently. I'm going to see what it does. And what up? What are you looking, I'm looking at? I'm looking at two, two, two numbers. I'm looking at impressions and I'm looking at the average view percentage, not the average view duration, average view percentage. Um, because the impressions are going to tell me, is this thing even being seen? That, that's what I care about. As a small person who's bitched and complained about the YouTube algorithm, if I have a video that I've put a lot of heart and soul into that has a well-intentioned meaning, purpose behind it, and it doesn't get seen, I'm fucking pissed. I am. Yeah, but I what can was, you do about it? To me, as far as I'm concerned, impressions are meaningless because, uh, well, they're important, obviously, but watching the impressions... I think they're the thing that determines yeah, everything once, else. But once, there's nothing you can do to influence impressions. There's there's very little you can do to influence how YouTube serves your video, right? That depends on the topic. It depends on... Now, click-through rate is really important. And that is related to impressions. It's, it's, it's a formula. It's derived from a formula that takes impressions into account. But 
just the raw impression count to me looking at that is meaningless or if i did a hundred i only care about impressions for the first week that's the only time that i care about impressions because caring i think about after- impressions is like caring about the weather everybody cares about it, but no one can do fuck all about it. But, but nobody can do anything about it. But that that's my thing. It's so when I look back at my data, <clears throat> I noticed that, you know, like two or three of my videos have, have done significantly more impressions than the other five to seven, you know, in my top 10. But you're right. You, the impressions don't really affect view count, but they do influence the click-through rate, which then in turn can influence your average view duration and so on. It, like it's a cascading effect it's just my i don't know belief i don't know if belief is the right word but it, it's my view that if a video doesn't even get seen then all of the other data doesn't mean shit because it it's not getting clicked on and like you said you can't i mean you could play games with a thumbnail tweak the title after the video is posted maybe do some things in the description i don't know but those are the only things that I, or that's the one thing that I look at first. And I'm only concerned about those impressions for the first week. That's it. After that, then it becomes this long-term thing where as long, you know, the longer it stays up there, all your numbers are going to be skewed. Okay. Here are the impression, the stats that matter and the stats that don't. Impressions don't matter. Subscribers do not matter. It's nice to get subscribers, obviously, but subscriber count, I've said this before, it's just kind of a dick measuring contest. It's the first thing people see when they go on your channel. So It matters for the audience. It doesn't, what matters for the audience is good videos. That's what matters for the audience. YouTube doesn't pay YouTube doesn't pay you more if you have a million subscribers or a thousand subscribers. They do not pay larger channels on a different rate than they pay smaller channels. Subscribe a subscription is kind of like a super like, really, and we appreciate getting them, but I never go back, I never look at a video and say, How many subscribers subscribed off of this video? Because no. again, it doesn't matter. Um, the stats that do matter. There are only three. Click-through rate is king. Click-through rate is king. There's different ways to measure how successful a video is, especially when you first upload it. What YouTube will do is they will tell you how well a video is doing based on the last 10 videos Mm -hmm. that you uploaded, and they'll rank it, right? So they'll say, this is the best video out of the best performing video out of your last 10, or it's the second best, or it's the third best. If I'm on the top three, for any video, I'm not happy. And the first thing I look through is, is the click-through rate. And if the click-through rate is low, especially starting out with, right, you're looking for click-through rates in the teens. If you're not getting yeah. click-through rates, in, if you're not getting 13 14 15% or 20%, Your video is probably dead. Yeah, you're doing something <clears throat> wrong. So at that point, that's when I start looking at the thumbnail and the title. Because the click-through rate is heavily influenced by that. I gave an example on this podcast before. When I did that TSO Guide Rail Square review, mm-hmm. I replaced the thumbnail of me 
with a thumbnail of my wife, <laughs> and it, it like doubled the perform the click through rate like the first day. Yeah, right. So the second thing is average view duration, and there's an average view duration and percentage. YouTube is really only concerned about duration; they're not concerned about percentage. So, in other words, if you get three and a half minutes on a seven minute video or three and a half minutes on a thirty minute video, they count it the same. Mm -hmm. um, the third is view count, right? Actual number of views. That's what I'm looking at. There are tons and tons, so many. I that don't even first know chart all. and you go show more and you drop down to the metric you want to look at and scroll over to the next thing. And you can cross, page. yes, and you can cross metric and you can do yeah. graphs and charts and you can say, oh yeah, you can say like, it can become. oh yeah, you can say like, how many people watch for at least two minutes from Lithuania? I mean, you can do yeah. shit like that. And <laughs> yeah, and, pe and people obsess about that. And not me. It's a waste of time. It is. You know, I care about average view percentage more so than average view duration because duration is a, a combination of a whole bunch of different statistics. Whereas average view percentage, no, it isn't. It's, a, it's, a, it's how long people watch. That's not a combination. No, average of view percentage is what I'm getting at as far as because it's all relative based upon the time or the length of the video. So if I've yeah. got a 20 minute video and they watch 10 minutes of it, my average view percentage is 50%. YouTube doesn't so, care though. I know, I, I know that's a cherry pick statistic, just right. like all statistics are cherry picked. <laughs> That's the one that I look at. That that's okay. it. And then, like you said, I do care about views to a point. And I t I mentioned my my new little ego management expectation management formula as far as views are concerned. If I've got forty three hundred subs, which I do right now, I want to see ten percent of them participate and watch. That's my that's my threshold as to what I consider okay. to be at least a decent performing video for me. So for you're me. saying if you have 4,300 subs, 430 views, that's a win. That is it. I'm not going to say it's a win, but it's going to make me content. I'm not going to get bent out of shape about it. I, you know, the, I think every creator on the platform has their own personal definition of of success if you will and i think that's what it is right it's personal mm -hmm. um i don't think anybody anybody's definition of, of success fits anybody else i mean you you mentioned this kind of mathematical formula um to me it wouldn't work for me i don't think um a, a mathematical formula that you can apply across the board makes much sense First of all, I think it's very dependent on the topic. I mean, some topics are of more general interest, right? I did a Miter Saw video that got about 125,000 views. And then I did, right after the that, I did the TSO, I did video. TSO track square video that was for DeWalt track saw that got about 2,500, right? So the thing is, to me, those were both successful videos, not based on my subscriber count, not based on the view count, but based on the fact that the TSO Guide World Square is really expensive. It's kind of a luxury purchase. It's a it's a very niche accessory. Correct, and the and even more so because it's 
was for the DeWalt track saw, which is not the most popular yeah. track saw. It should be most more popular. Most people got that one over there. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And so to me, 2,500 views on that was, was fine. So I think both you and I realize is that we manage our expectations, but we do set goals for ourselves. For sure. And I don't think we compare between what our video does and somebody else. Like no. that, that is a recipe for like mental disaster. Compare and despair. Yes. Do not do it. Like, why did my video only do 500 views versus that guy who did 10,000? You're you and he or she is them and they have a completely different audience. They have a completely different set of metrics. So that's the realization that I had to come to. And yeah. that, that that is that just will, the expectation I set for myself. Yeah, that will kill. I think that's the one thing that kills channels the most. Yeah, why does that guy have 10,000 subs and I only have 1,000 subs? Yeah. I'm or the dickhead commenter, commenters that chime in, oh, your video only got 200 freaking views, or you only have X <laughs> amount of subs. Like, go, go, yeah, kiss my yeah. ass. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, don't compare yourself to anybody else. If you want to do something useful, compare your video to your other videos and take something from the the software world there's a methodology in software called an agile methodology where they kind of split up work into like two or three or sometimes a month chunks and then they reach a certain goal and then at the end of that they take sometimes a whole day and the whole team has a meeting and they do, it's called a retrospective. And they talk about what went right, what went wrong, where were the friction points, what can we do better, what did we do well. And you can do that by yourself. It's I like do it the, religiously. Every video that I upload. If you're not being reflective, no point in doing it. Yeah. And try to be really honest. And that's really the only way you can improve, I think. I think, and it's the only way you can improve if it's that type of video that you're producing, where it's a, a combination of talking head, cutscenes, extra graphics, things like that. You know, it, but you can write better. You know, you can write if better you're scripts. Go narratives, yeah. Right. You can write better scripts. You can do better shots. You can have better at better ideas, right? Like, mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes uh, a particular tool review or a certain build video, if it doesn't do well, you can say, well, you know, maybe my audience doesn't want to see that type of build. Maybe I should try something else if you're interested mm -hmm. in that kind of video. But yeah. 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 Interesting. Okay, good. We didn't disagree as much as I thought we would. No, but, you know, it, <laughs> we, we probably could have gotten a whole lot worse and back and forth. But I think, you know, for the most part, we we understand where both of where we're individually coming from. We sure. just don't do it the same way. And I don't think I, I'm not trying to do what you do. You're definitely not trying to do what I do. And nobody should try to do what I do because it's pretty freaking awful, at least over the last couple of attempts. But. You know, the idea of just being reflective, of being retrospective and managing your expectations, I think is a huge conversation in and of itself. You know, just to keep that in the back of your mind, that we are all at different points in our YouTube journeys. And 
you know, despite what we've said in the last episode, where we talked about the algorithm a lot, mm -hmm. you'll notice that we didn't even mention it today. Yeah, here and there, but, you know, not, not from the standpoint of bitching and complaining about it. Correct. Whenever you find yourself talking about the algorithm, this is not my idea. This is actually straight from Mr. Beast. Substitute the word audience for algorithm. Yes. I want to make videos that do well with the algorithm. No. Mm -mm. I want to make videos that do well with the audience. See? Mm. It's, a, it's a different, completely different mindset. Don't make videos for robots. Make videos for people. Understand who your audience is and make videos for them. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, we're going to do video spotlights next. Yeah, uh, let's wrap this although, up. We've, we've yammered about this shit for long enough. Let's just jump right in. What's our video of the week, video of the episode? Video of the episode. What do you got for us, Lee? My video spotlight of the episode is from someone named Steve Thompson. Let me put my glasses on. Cleverly named his channel Super Gimp. 2000 <laughs> and, <laughs> and the uh, you'll understand that in a second and uh the title of the video is mcm inspired root vegetable storage bin okay so i stumbled upon this video it only had a couple of hundred views the channel is very small i think under 200 subs i wasn't it was only the second video from this channel. Mm -hmm. I wasn't expecting a lot, but I clicked on it. First of all, this video has everything I hate. <laughs> <laughs> Is this it's one almost, of those hate watch videos that you were talking about earlier? Well, I thought it was going to be. <laughs> okay. So, so it, had, it was almost all in hyperlapse, which mm -hmm. I can't stand. Uh -oh. There was no talking, which okay. again, I'm not a fan. Okay. <laughs> but the video totally redeems itself for a, a number of reasons. First of all, the piece is absolutely beautiful. The design is inspired. The wood choices are spot on. There were a ton of really cool techniques. He showed um, still photos at the end. Mm -hmm. And everything... I mean, close-up photos and everything was perfect. The miters were toit, as they say. Right. It had like box joints or, or uh, yeah. dovetails in it too, right? Yeah, yeah. it did, right? <clears throat> everything was right on the money, not a flaw in it. I've never seen a woodworking project without a flaw. I mean, maybe you didn't take pictures of those, but but you'll understand, first of all, the name of the channel and why it was mostly in hyperlapse once I tell you that this man is in a wheelchair. <laughs> I could never have built this with two legs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't notice that until long after, like uh, uh, the about page, if you click on that and you get the little banner and stuff, he's, I think he's sitting right next to the, to the piece yes. in that video, right? Yeah. Right, right. And <clears throat> you notice he's sitting in a wheelchair. And then mm -hmm. you go back and watch the video and you go, oh my God. 
everything's like at waist level. And, yes. And yeah. It makes more sense. This thing is way too pretty to put turnips in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I would use it for, I mean, it belongs in a museum. Um, the, the fascinating thing really is if you go and watch the video, go through the comments. Don't forget to go through the comments because Steve Ramsey, mm-hmm. Bourbon Moth, Jimmy DeResta, Bents Woodworking, Matt Cremona, Shop Nation, Tamar 3x3 Custom. It's like a who's who at Workbench Con of the people mm-hmm. who saw this video. And it is incredible, right? So, yeah, he's he's he, he's made himself a little splash and gotten noticed. And that is fantastic. I, I love that. Can, can I can I add my real really quick my, when you sent me the link and I watched it for the first time? Yeah, I was like, this is like the complete history of woodworking on YouTube. <laughs> every yeah. single tool, every single product, every single process. And then, like you said, it's it's uh, what done in like 10, five, 10 second clips. It's just bang, 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 bang. You got to right. keep up with the video. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you're trying to learn, watch the video to try to figure out how he does it, it, it probably won't be that useful. But um, there are some really cool techniques in there. And I think people could pick up some things. I, I know I certainly did. So, And, so and like you said, we, it's impressive that he's doing this wheelchair bound. Right. You know, no limits Absolutely. to creative creativity and talent. That's right. We talked about that last time. Your mm-hmm. your uh, creative drive is only limited by your own limitations, your own imagination, yeah. and your own self imposed limitations. So, <clears throat> why don't we go ahead? What's yours, there, Jerry? Okay. Um, mine comes from a Romanian channel, Adrian and Preda. I hope I'm pronouncing the last name correctly. Preda. Preda? <laughs> is this is this another one of your foreign videos, my friend? Mm-hmm. I, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, there should definitely be a little bit of a trend. We're five videos in, and yeah, I'm pretty sure I haven't picked a U.S. bound channel yet. <laughs> um, but the the name of the video is "Making a Classic Jewelry Box with a Sunburst Lid," and the I just checked before we got on here. It's at about sixty k, uh, you know, sixty thousand views or so. Um, it's one of those ASMR type videos, the ones that apparently Lee's not a big fan of, but, um, I really enjoy and it's just a guy doing work pretty much, pretty much a hand tool video. Um, yeah, there's a couple of portions in there where he's using a joiner to flatten the material and table saw to cut a rabbit or something like that, but pretty much it's hand tool dominant. And he just makes a very simple, elegant box um the thing that caught my eye when i when i first watched the video i didn't i didn't know these were like real things i thought they were like cartoon caricatures but there's like these little itty bitty hand planes that he's using (laughs) they look like little lego sets if honestly and he's just like doing very small motions to clean up uh you know like a kerf a saw blade kerf is it like um, a block? Got, is it like a block plane or something? It, yeah, it, it's like a shoulder. I think one of them is like a shoulder plane. Another one's like a tiny little Japanese pole block plane. Okay. And you know the 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 camera is zoomed in so much that you basically just see his fingers pulling this thing along oh the, and, and creating this tiny little chamfer. And I was like, is that a gimmick? Is I don't know. That's weird. But you know, long story short, it's a it's a really simplistic project. 
done at a very high level using some very, I, I think that the lid is maybe like zebra wood or something. Don't quote me on that. But I mean, you get this beautiful opening up fan sunburst type thing. And it's a really, really cool project. And wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think the video is about 11, 11 and a half minutes long, something like that. And I mean, it, it, it just goes boom, 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 boom. But these little bitty, bitty block planes, <laughs> really funny looking. <laughs> yeah. So we'll put the links to these in the description as always. Uh, hey, um, just wanted to, uh, Give a little shout out to our sponsor this 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 month. <laughs> Chico's Bail Bonds. This episode brought to you by Chico's Bail Bonds. Let freedom ring. There we go. All right. <laughs> Bad news bears, baby. Bad news. <laughs> Fantastic. Another baseball movie. Hey, another episode in the can, so to speak. Yeah. Let's see how it turns out. How hey, and. I, I'm very curious to see what the audience reaction is because we know that a lot of our audience for this podcast are fellow YouTubers. Chime in, share your process. This is just two guys talking about ours. Absolutely, we can learn and from you, you. Yeah, and if you have any questions, anything that we anything that we didn't cover, whether you're a creator or not, right? If you're curious about anything, you know, put your question in the comments. If we can't answer it more than likely one of our other viewers can answer it like i say we do have a lot of other creators in the audience so that is great yeah fantastic man okay so all right great well talk to you next time okay we'll see you adios amigos adios <laughs>